It is Sunday night here on KZSM.org, True Community Radio, San Marcos, Texas, and it is 7 o'clock. That means it is time for Riasis, and we've got Kathy Laura here in the studio. Hi, Kathy. Hello, Rob. And uh, glad to have you back here again for another week uh, talking about our roots, past, present, and future. And would you like to introduce your guests and uh, tell us what you're going to be talking about tonight? Well, it's good to be here. And yes, I'd like to introduce you to our guest this evening. Her name is Priscilla Delgado Hermiller. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. <laughs> I, was, I was so concerned I was going to butcher that up. <laughs> And um, so we're going to go ahead and we have quite a bit of things to discuss. And I think kind of it's a little bittersweet for us because um, we had set up the conversation that we're going to have with her about two or three weeks ago. And we had a range of topics that we were going to discuss. And one of them was um, uh, the things going on in the royal family and Prince Harry. And then, of course, you know, we know you have a love of Elvis. Mm -hmm. And so we know uh, the the sadness that has filled um uh, the newspapers this week with the passing of uh, Lisa Marie. So yes. we'll discuss that in 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 a, in a little while. But I want to start by um, we always like to start the show with a little bit of family history. So I'm going to um, give you an opportunity to, opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family history. Okay, great. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Rob. I'm excited to be here tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so a little bit about myself and my family. Um, so my name is Priscilla Delgado Hermiller. I was born and raised here in San Marcos. Uh, my parents are Cosme and Juanita Delgado. They've lived here in San Marcos pretty much their entire lives. Um, so a little bit of family history on my mom's side, um, her maternal side of the family, my great-grandmother, um, Prisciliana Rocha, and her husband, Isa Hernandez, they came to the U.S. from Guanajuato in 1921. They were married over there in 1919, and they settled in the central Texas area, um, kind of between Martindale and Lockhart. They had five children together, including my grandmother, Jorja, before he passed away um, in 1931. My great-grandmother then remarried and had five children with her second husband, Agustin Garcia. So the 10 children that my great-grandmother had, plus the children from Isa and Agustin's previous marriages, yielded a very large family. Um, most of them stayed here in the general Central Texas area, and these are the cousins that I grew up with, went to school with, um, did birthday parties with, all that good stuff, so I'm pretty close to this side of my family. Um, my mother's um, paternal side is the Silguero family. My great-grandfather, Frutoso Silguero, was born in Nuevo Leon in 1895. He and his family came to Texas in 1911. Frutoso married my great-grandmother, um, Simona Bocanegra, in Seguin in 1917. They had three children together before she passed away, including my grandpa, Alejandro. Frutoso later remarried, and with his second wife, Cecilia Gutierrez, they had nine more children. Um, so my grandparents, Jorja and Alejandro, Alejandro, met at a dance, and they got married in 1942 uh, here in San Marcos. They lived here in San Marcos, and they had three children, including my mom. And my Silguero cousins, they, they're kind of scattered. Um, several of them live in California. There's many of them that live here in the central Texas area, and we have several that live in the valley in South Te South Texas. So we had uh, Cristina Casas Moreno on the show and her sister Mercedes. Yes. So are you guys related? We are, okay. yes. Yeah, I know, small world, yeah, right? right. 
<laughs> yes, and we listened to that episode. Yeah. My parents and I tuned in together to listen to oh, it. Cool. Well, you know, that's what we're finding is like, it's amazing how connected we are to each other not mm-hmm. knowing because I'd never met them before. I knew her dad mm-hmm. and her mom, but I didn't know those were their children. I didn't know yes. them. So it's, it's, it's amazing how we get connected. So, yeah, yeah. I, and I always ask because you just never know. And sometimes... People will say, no, we're not related, but here mm-hmm. in this case. Well, and you and I are related, yeah, you too. And I are double, double, <laughs> double related, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, you're, uh, so you really have a lot of, a large amount of family that you can do things with. I'm going to assume per- birthday parties, weddings, and things yes. like that. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and so like my, my immediate family, I don't have too many first cousins, mm-hmm. but second cousins, third cousins, I've Extended got a bunch, family. yes, yeah. and we're, you know, pretty close. I feel really fortunate to have such great relationships with my cousins and with my, um, like my mom's first cousins and um, my great aunts and great uncles when they were still alive. So I see on your on your mom's post and some of your posts, B, not the all, you're, are you uh-huh. related to Beatrice? Yes, yeah. She okay. and my mom are first cousins. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, she's such a nice lady. Yes. Yeah. I got, got to work with her when she was over at... Um, Working for Ruben over at Southside, and she ran the the center mm-hmm. over there, off of um, uh, over by the high the old high school, mm-hmm. off of Broadway Street. Uh-huh. So yeah, well, hello, B. <laughs> hey, B. And so, Jamie and Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are her daughters. Yeah, they're yeah. her daughters. They're okay. they're really close to my age. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go ahead and continue. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're good. So, um, and I guess my. Um, my dad's side of the family now, right? Okay, it's great. So um, this is my dad's side of the family I'm going to talk a little bit about. Um, my So on my dad's side, my great-grandmother's side of the family has, traced been, has been traced back to the 1400s, the late 1400s in Italy, which I love because it makes sense. I love Italian food. <laughs> um, and I love Italian culture, so that's kind of neat to have that connection. Uh, my great-grandmother, Maria Cruz Cantu, was from Nuevo León. And she married my great-grandfather, Antonio Delgado, in 1915 here in Hayes County. Um, Antonio was from Tamaulipas. Together, they had 17 children. So the 1400s, is this tracing from your Delgado side back to the 1400s? Yes. Well, my great-grandmother, Maria Cruz Cantu, the Cantu side of the family. Yes. Um, And so... They had 17 children together. They lived in Kyle for some time, but then they eventually moved to West Texas, and they lived there, I believe, for the rest of their lives, my great-grandparents. Um, my grandpa was Antonio Delgado, Jr. Um, he married my grandma, Petra Flores, um, in Uland, um, 1941. They had four children, including my dad. Um, and my Delgado family, they're also kind of scattered throughout Texas. Um, we have some that live here in Hayes County that are here close by. Um, I also have extended family within this area, many in Austin, some in South Texas, and of course in, in West Texas, a lot of my family is still there. And uh, your did all the grandparents, your grandmother and your grandfather, they lived on, is it Love Street or Lee Street across from the old South Side? Lee Street. Lee Street mm-hmm. or Bonham? Yep, right across yep. from Bonham. Yes. And then on your dad's side, uh, on your dad's uh, Silvera um, Flores mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. So you have a little bit of. Uh... Um, I did not bring any notes uh-huh. on that. Um, so and that's how we're double related too. Right, correct right. on my dad's um, mom's side of the family. Right. Um, no, I I wish I had. I remember more off the top of my head. <laughs> um, 
And, and I, you might have more yeah, to say I remember, on that. I remember my dad saying that he was related to uh, Olivia. Mm-hmm. And then my, and then I remember my mom, when it was little, and my mom said, well, she was related to Olivia. And I was like, okay, well, wait, that can't be. What, what went wrong here? <laughs> and it took me yes. a while for me to understand how that relationship works. Mm-hmm. So there were two families that married together, and then that's how our parents were related to. Yes. And that's how we're doubly related. Uh-huh. So. But, yeah, the Silveras were in Kyle. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I hope that we can convince your dad to come and talk to us about that because that's a very interesting story on, mm-hmm. on his family yes. side. So yes. maybe we'll go ahead and, and uh, I think uh, the Silveras got there into um, Kyle, I want to say maybe like the 1800s, but the uh, Mendes family has been there since 1869. Uh, and so your dad traces back to to the Mendes family through yes. his Silvera side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite interesting. But yes, on his on the on my great on my grandmother's side of the family, they they've been here in Texas considerably longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I trace back my generations through her, I'm fourth generation Texan. Mm-hmm. So yes, they were they were here for a while. And, and so they, just, they do have a really interesting yeah. history. And so because you love Italy, so just that you know, we also trace back to Italy on our side yeah. too. So. <laughs> We go back to a gentleman, his last name is Chapapria. Right. <laughs> and when he got to Texas, they cut that name down. And the, mm-hmm. so the Chapas, the majority of the Chapas come from this gentleman who was mm-hmm. here from Italy. And they consider him to be the first um, uh, chronicler of the state of Texas because mm-hmm. he wrote a lot of stuff here in, in what, what is now Texas. And so they consider him our first historian. Awesome. That I crazy, love that. It's right up your alley there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yes. So, um, yeah, but anyway, we'd, we'd like to extend an invitation to your dad and have him come and talk about that. So, yeah. um, are you in, uh, involved in genealogy? Do you like it? Do, do, do you um, have an, a large interest for it? Um, to be honest, I haven't had the biggest interest in it. My, my parents are much more um, involved with genealogy research. <laughs> and they will fill me in on their findings and you know i enjoy listening to them um i haven't really done any research myself on our family um but you know with with this invitation you know thinking about like okay um preparing like some some notes just to make sure i got everyone's names right (laughs) and generations and all that um it did kind of spark a deeper interest in what i had previously had Mm -hmm. so uh, my parents have like tons of research they've done and and lots of information that I'm more excited about, um, you know, reading a little bit further sometime soon. And so now that we have the World Wide Web, you can get on and you can do a lot of that. So is that Mm -hmm. primarily how they do their research? Is that on the internet or do they go to libraries or are they a part of any of the uh, genealogy societies that that, Mm -hmm. that are um, available to people? They do most of their research online. Um, I know they've been to a few churches to get documents. (laughs) They've been to a few other facilities and libraries over the years. Um, I believe my mom is a member of some genealogy Facebook groups as well, and she's gotten a few leads mm-hmm. through that. Um, so, so yes, I mean, they since they retired, that mm-hmm. it seems to be you know really one of their one of their interests. Wonderful. Um, are we ready for a break? Uh, you got about a minute and a half. Okay. Um, when I started doing genealogy research, it was probably back in 2000, and a lot of the stuff wasn't available on online, and so I 
have I'd write these libraries and they say look this is what I'm looking for and I remember going over to uh, the GLO office uh, uh, in Austin and looking at a lot of the maps that they had there and mm -hmm. uh, getting research there and um, I would write these libraries I said well I, uh, send me the you know this chapter from this page to this page and after I got all my steps somebody said to me at the public library they're like um, I think they have this book over at Texas State oh. and there's a, uh, in their special collections um, department mm -hmm. there they have a book um, that a lot of the genealogists consider what they call the uh, Bible of genealogy for um, a lot of the Spanish documents and it details a lot of the families there and they have that house here over at Texas oh, State. Nice. Yeah, uh, and it's called um, With All Arms. And it's just okay. a beautiful book. It's it's uh, book covers in red, mm -hmm. and um, I've had the opportunity to get my hands on that book. Oh, so. I love that. What a treasure. Yeah, and so hopefully uh, we're wanting to get somebody from Special Collections to come talk to us about all the neat things that they have there. Just wait. You're getting everybody in here on this show. <laughs> it's not going to take too long. You are listening to KZSM.org, True Community Radio, and you're listening to Raices here on a Sunday night from 7 until 8 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in. And just as a reminder that the uh, views expressed on the show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTXCRA. We're going to be right back with you after this uh, quick station break. Llegamos. Wow, eso fue rápido. Hay un bosque más cerca de lo que piensas. Encuentra un parque o bosque cerca de ti y música inspirada en la naturaleza en descubrelbosque.org. Traído a ustedes por USDA Forest Service y el Ad Council. Anybody out there interested in chess? Join us at the San Marcos Local Chess Club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. All ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together. ¿Recuerdas la última vez que tu familia visitó el bosque? Es un lugar de maravilla e imaginación para toda la familia. Donde las historias cobran vida y está más cerca de lo que crees. ¿Listo para planear tu próxima visita? Haz que el bosque forme parte de tu historia hoy en un parque local cerca de ti. O encuentra uno en descubreelbosque.org. Traído a ti por el Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos y el Ad Council. And back with you here in the studio, and uh, Kathy and Priscilla are here uh, talking about the, the history and the roots. And uh, you can hear this show every week here on KZSM.org. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, make sure you share about uh, how folks can go. It's real easy just to uh, go and to click and to listen to us every week. And also, if you'd like to get involved, go and contact us, KZSM.org, if you got a question about the show or you'd like to be on the show send us a message and just say hey we're listening in and uh, i'd like to uh, talk about my family here on riasis so kathy so you'd mentioned that uh you grew up here uh you went uh, to school here at the san marcus school district system mm -hmm. 
And I, I want to ask you, I'm going to assume that you had a, a fairly good experience while you were going to school. Where did your love of reading come from? Did, was it something that happened in school? Was there a particular event that, that opened your world to this, this life of reading, this, this door to reading? That's a great question. Um, so yes, I had a great experience growing up here and going to school in San Marcos CISD. Um, I credit them for sparking my lifelong interest in learning and reading. Um, you know, I think the, the core of my interest in reading was my mom. She used to work in a library. When I was younger, um, she worked at the public library. And then when I was in high school, I suppose, she got a job at the university library. So she understood the importance of literacy. And with my sister and, and me, she would take us to the library regularly. When we were little, she would read to us. My dad would read to us. Um, well, I'm speaking as if we grew up together. My sister is 16 years older than me. But I, I know that they did these things with, with her and with, with me as well. Um, so really, I I think my mom was the one that got me into it. But I also feel really grateful for my first grade teacher, Mrs. Hightower, um, and my elementary school librarian, Mrs. Cobb. They also were big um, advocates for reading and really helped me in school at the Savala just develop this lifelong passion for reading. And they introduced me to so many great books and um, really kind of fueled that, that interest. And it just kind of took on a, a life of its own. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for a lot of people, I, and I don't know what it is that, that uh, makes you have this passion for it, but my daughter, when she was going to school, I had a really hard time with that. I'd, I would read to her, but I couldn't interest her to pick up a, a book and read it. But when mm -hmm. she was in the fourth grade, she had a teacher by the name of Mrs. Miss Bryant. And I, I don't know what happened that year, but it just sparked this thing. And so she's an avid reader now too. But uh -huh. I think as a parent, you kind of see these things and that's, that's when that love of reading took off for her. Yes. So, yeah. And I don't know if maybe it's just a teacher, you know, uh -huh. if the teacher can find that connection for you. Right. And that's what brings it out. So, yeah, uh -huh. well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I asked that question because now I know. <laughs> um, 2022 was uh, just seemed like it was an exceptionally good year for you. Tell us all the good <laughs> things that happened to you. And I want to call you a newlywed, but I guess when does that, is that like after a year that that stops or? I think, I think like six months. To or, etiquette, it's six, six months, months. But we kind of still feel like newlyweds. Oh, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I knew it was something like that, but I wasn't quite sure. So, yes. okay. So tell me about your exceptionally good year in 2022. Yeah, thank you. Yes, 2022 is, I think, like the best year of my life. Um, so, so last year, um, I, so I was in a PhD program and part of that PhD program requires that you do a dissertation, which is like an original research project. So in early 2022, I defended my dissertation and that was the moment that I officially became a doctor, that I officially earned my PhD. So that was a really exciting moment for me. Um, in April of last year, I got married. Um, my, uh, my husband, Michael, I met him, oh gosh, like in 2015. <laughs> because of the flood here in, on Halloween, my, my car got totaled. And so I was shopping for a new car, and he was my car salesman. And I bought my, tr my truck that I still have from him. And we kept in touch, and I just thought he was like the best car salesman ever. <laughs> 
<laughs> like after a year that's what you were telling out. yourself right <laughs> well i was kind of like what's up with this like oh okay yeah go cowboys like he would text me like the cowboys were playing anyway so we just kind of hit it off and began dating a year later and we've been together ever since so yes we got married in april um we had it was here in san marcus at st john's catholic church um, you know, we had our, our close family and friends there. He has a bunch of family from Ohio that they flew in for the wedding. So that was really fun, just having, you know, all of our family and loved ones there together for that special day and um, getting married at St. John's, which has been my church all my life. It was just such a beautiful, special, magical day for us. Um, so that happened last year, too. Um, we went on our honeymoon, and then, like, the week after our honeymoon, was my graduation. So um, since I had gotten my PhD, I was eligible to go to graduation, uh, which was in May. And the school I attended was St. John's University. It's in New York. So uh, my family, my husband and I flew up to New York. We were there for a week. Um, we went to my graduation and I got to meet a bunch of my classmates. So my program was online and I had classmates from like all over the, the country, even internationally. And so several of my classmates were there for graduation. So we got to meet each other. And like, I am obsessed with New York City. I love visiting there. So we packed as much as we could into that week. Um, we were even on the Today Show, which was pretty exciting. Um, so that, that was in May of last year. And then in the, over the summer, um, I was able to get on full-time with the company I work for. I was working for them part-time. Um, while I was in my um, PhD program. And so now I was promoted to full time, which was pretty exciting. And I, I really enjoy what I do. I'm a librarian for um, a company called Teaching Books. We provide um, like ebook and audiobook access to public libraries and school libraries and lesson plans and um, just book resources for um, children's young, young adult books. Um, and then in September, my husband and I bought our first house. So <laughs> that that's a really really good. You're so. It are was. you living here in San Marcos or are you living? No, outside? we live outside of Austin oh, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got such an extensive uh, educational background, and now here I'm going to have to apologize because I ought to address you as Doctor Priscilla. Oh. <laughs> did you know at an early age that you wanted to attend college? Uh, and and what, I mean, what was that experience like when you were going through that? Um, yes, I did. Um, I think what helped was my, my sister, because she was considerably older. We have a big age gap. Um, and when I was little, she was attending college. And so I saw that from a very early age, saw her getting higher education. Um, my, my parents also really encouraged me to, you know, to, to go to college. So growing up, it was just kind of like, yeah, I want to do that. It was never, I, I, they never had any pushback from me. I always wanted to go to college and, um, I went to college here at Texas State, or it was Southwest Texas. So you went here for your bachelor's degree? Yes, for my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. And then when I was there, the amazing faculty at Texas State, um, many of whom I'm still in touch with, like almost 20 years after I graduated, um, they just inspired me to pursue, you know, even more. Um, So with the opportunities and with the mentorship that I received from some of these professors um, through, you know, through their guidance, I was able to, um, you know, move forward with my master's degree and then with my Ph.D. And your master's degree, did you do that online or did you come to class and where did you get that at? My master's degree, I got it from the University of Texas at Austin. Um, It's in information studies. 
um, with a specialization in school librarianship. And so that was in person. Um, that was right after college as well. So I went straight from graduating from Texas State. The following um, year, I was at UT for my master's degree. And that took like two years to finish. And, and your first job after you got your master's degree, was that in a school setting or...? Yes, uh, my first job was as a first grade bilingual teacher here in San Marcos at Bowie Elementary. Um, hey, Bowie champions. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give them that shout out. Yes. Um, so I worked there for 10 years and oh my gosh, I loved, I loved that school. I loved the students. Um, so I was a first grade teacher for three years and I, I absolutely loved doing that. Um, in first grade, they really, students really progress a lot in their reading development. And so me being you know, that the bookworm and literacy lover that I was even even back then, you know, I, I loved getting to watch students develop those reading skills and, and, and seeing those little aha moments when things would click for them and just trying to help foster that love and interest in reading. Um, so I did that for a few years and then I became the school librarian there and I did that for seven years. And the school librarian job is like the the best job in the world, or at least in my opinion. <laughs> it was fun because I got to work with all the students on campus, you know, not just your own little cluster of like 22 kids, but the entire school. Um, you get to work with teachers, work with the community, with parents. We did book fairs. We had like reading incentive programs, um, teaching students information literacy, how to find information, how to you know, search for books in the library, how to find um, answers to their questions, research. Um, it was just such a rewarding job. And so I, I spent 10 wonderful years um, with San Marcos CISD. And then you mentioned your sister, so we'll say hello to your sister, Marianne. Hey, Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> and um, your, your sister, she um, got married and she lived abroad for quite some time. Her husband, mm -hmm. she married a gentleman who was invested in the military. Yes. And um, so I wanted to ask you this question. Um, you've traveled extensively, you know, overseas and into Europe. Mm -hmm. How important do you think, because not all of us can um, take the time or have the money to travel, but how important mm -hmm. do you think travel is for for people, you know, now, now that we have the um, ability, you know, it's a lot easier mm -hmm. to get there. Sometimes it's not that expensive. But if you were to, to talk to a younger person, um, would you... Um, what advice would you give them about travel based on all the things that you've seen? Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, with traveling, it's a great opportunity if you have the means and if you have the time to, to travel to see places. I think it really brings history and culture to life. It, it's one thing to read about it in a book, mm -hmm. certainly, but to get to experience it firsthand is such a rewarding experience. Um, I think if, if you're able to travel, by all means, you know, take those opportunities. Um, we only live once, you know, so seize those moments. Um, and I, you know, I also think for people that may not have the means or the time or the, you know, ability to travel, there's so many, like, virtual tours online nowadays that you can you know, from the comfort of your own home, visit different places. Yeah, you can go to the Louvre. The Louvre yes. has a really, really good mm -hmm. uh, website. Yep. So there's a lot of places like that yes. that you can kind of see. You're, it's not the same as being there, right. but the experience is there and you get to see. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. Like even um, the Anne Frank House mm -hmm. in Amsterdam, I've always wanted to go there. I've never been there. And they have um, 
a virtual tour online. It's like a 360 tour of the building. And so I've spent, you know, like a whole afternoon multiple times just taking my time, clicking through everything. And, you know, although it's not the same as actually being there, it's like the next best thing. Yeah. So we know that's probably on your bucket list, you know, to go to go. Yes. There. Um, tell me a place that you've been to that you just absolutely fell in love with. Oh, New York City, New York. Yeah. I mean, other places too, but that one stands out because when I was little, I used to read all these, I used to look for books that were set in New York City. And I, I even bought like, um, like a tour, tourist guide for New York City and just like read it all and like read about the different restaurants and the hotels, the different neighborhoods. So I had this picture in my mind of New York City long before I ever went there. And when I was 13, my family and I took a trip up there and it was like a dream come true, getting to see the Statue of Liberty. At the time, the Twin Towers were still standing and I, I remember you know, seeing them and having to like crane my neck to, to see the top of them. St. Patrick's, all of Yes, that. all of that. So and are you a foodie? I mean, do, do, you, do you enjoy sitting down and having a good meal? I do, but I will say I am a picky eater. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> But yes, um, and, and when we were in New York this past year, um, Michael and I planned, We I, I had a spreadsheet. We had planned out everything, like morning, afternoon, night. The whole, <laughs> like, all six days we were going to be like, okay, we're going to go do this, we're going to go do this, we're going to go do this. And if that doesn't work out, we've got this list of other ideas. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's a fascinating city. There's so much to see and do all hours of the day. I mean, we went to Times Square like after midnight and it was still bustling and with all the lights on, you couldn't even tell it was the middle of the night. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my, I left my heart over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you really like that uh, like going there, but if you like that, you should try Mexico City. That is a place yes, to Yes, uh, I'd love to go there someday. Yeah. Um, do we have time for uh, a break, break, station break? And you are listening to Rice's here on KZSM.org, True Community Radio. We're going to be right back with you after this uh, quick station ID. And uh, again, as a reminder, the uh, views expressed on the show are those of the host, the guests, and none. So is KZSM or SMTXCRA. We'll be right back with you. Limey's Last plays some dance music and some rock on Celtic Corner. Wonder where she finds Celtic rock. I wonder what that is. I guess I'll just have to tune in at noon on Saturday at kzsm.org and find out just what's going on with this Celtic stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, y toda mi gente, my name is Josh, also known as DJ Alpha in the mix, and I am the host of the all-new Latin Energy Show on KZSM.org San Marcos. I'm inviting everyone to tune in every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. and join the Latin Energy Party. It's all about community connection here, so tune in, support, and we'll see you on KZSM.org. Revolving Door is your local radio show where we host the best live bands in our downtown San Marcos studio every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Tune in to kzsm.org to hear the best of your local live bands for 32 minutes to an hour as we get them in and get them out and on air.
And you can catch uh, Revolving Door next week. We're going to be having Tex Porter here in the studio. And then on the 29th, we've got uh, Slim Bob Pierce and then uh, David Isley are going to be here in the studio coming up. And uh, that is the show that's right in before ours here. Now, next week, you're going to be having... Uh, I'm going to have uh, uh, Gloria Delgadillo and Dr. Rosina Valle are going to be here. And uh, they're going to come talk to us about the process for the um, juniors and seniors at the high school and the things that they need to do and the program that they have there to help them get their documents prepared for um, in, um, their applications for college and their FAFSA applications and uh, those type of things. So make sure you tune in again next week here. But uh, this week... Glad you're tuned in with us, and uh, we're going to get back to the conversation with Kathy and Priscilla. So you, I, I found found out by by uh, talking to Rob that you're not a stranger here at uh, KZSM. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about, you know, uh, what it is that you do here, and and of course, you know, we mentioned your love of Elvis. So tell us a little bit yes. about the program that you're a part of here at KZSM Radio. Yeah, absolutely. So I I have a um, segment on a radio program that airs here on KZSM. It's called The Mop Tops and the King, and it airs um, new episodes air Monday nights at 9 p.m. And so my segment is Spotlight on Elvis. And so my ra- I have a radio name. It's Priscilla Rose of Texas. <laughs> I always wanted, like, if I ever do radio stuff, I want to have, like, a radio name. So I went with that. Um, so on that on that radio program, I put together just really short, like, stories about Elvis history. Sometimes there are book talks about, like, new books about Elvis. There'll be... Um, moments in Elvis history, um, stories behind the music, behind the song, um, movies, documentaries about him, like the new Elvis movie that came out last year. I did a couple of spotlights about that. Um, So really just kind of anything um, pertaining to the king of rock and roll. And yes, I've been a lifelong fan um, since I was yeah, like since I was four years old or so, I've been just crazy about Elvis. Um, and actually, I connected with Steve Chelmsford, who who hosts the show, The Mop Tops and the King, um, through another program on KZSM. I was on Bookmarked with Priscilla Leader. Um, I think it was 2020. And it was, it was close to August. I think it was close to Elvis week. And so we were doing an episode about books about Elvis and the Beatles. And so um, myself, Steve, and then Jennifer Cabay, um, who's also now on The Mop Tops and the King, we, the three of us, did an episode with Priscilla talking about different books. And so from there, Steve invited me to come back on to his show as a guest to talk about um, books about Elvis. And so I did that. And then a few months afterward, he sent me the invitation to, to be like a, like a regular member of the, of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, to do the Spotlight on Elvis segment. And so I was super excited for the opportunity and so took advantage of it. And and so Jennifer is a big Beatles fan. And so now she has a segment called the McCartney Diaries, also on the Mop Tops and the King. So, you know, you would think that there'd be um, an end to this stuff with information, but it just seems like there's always information coming out. Uh, you said there was a movie last year, and there was just a movie this year too. Is that correct, or um, the one with Austin Butler? Or is right, that that's last year. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what's the most interesting thing that you can tell me that you think is the most interesting thing about Elvis? Ooh, most interesting thing. I think his deep love for learning, for reading, and his spirituality. He was an avid reader. 
He loved exploring different cultures, different histories. And I think people didn't really see that. When people think of Elvis, they think of the performer. But there was a very complex, beautiful person behind the performer. Um, he was very spiritual. He grew up um, with a very religious family. And even even though as an adult, he, he kind of began, he, he kept onto that faith, but he explored other religions and, and spirituality practices as well. He would even wear like a cross and the Star of David because he didn't want to miss um, like getting to heaven on a technicality. So he wanted to have all his bases covered. <laughs> so, you know, he was very open to um, different beliefs, different experiences, and just really like inclusive to all of these um, spiritual beliefs that kind of that kept him going he you know holding on to that spirituality yeah because you saw he did put out a lot of records uh, uh kind of like in the gospel uh, yes. type. Mm-hmm. and um i think for myself because you brought that up and i think one of my favorite elvis songs is in the ghetto uh-huh. and i think um how much thought went into this song about you lay this out and you see mm-hmm. the um in in places that don't have the means that people are so poor yes um, to put this into a song like this and mm-hmm. talk about a mother's feelings when you can't give these things for your yes. son and he's mm-hmm. growing and he's fighting against society mm-hmm. and, you know, he ends up without a life. Yeah. And so I've, I've always wondered about the thought process mm-hmm. of singing that song and how you write a song like that. Yes, and, you know, that, that song, he recorded it, um, I believe, in 1968, somewhere around there, and... Colonel Parker, his manager, did not want him to record that song. There was a lot of pushback, but Elvis was adamant. He he felt that song needed to be recorded. He felt that he was the right one. Well, it had and that it, message, and he wanted to put that message yeah, out Yeah, and it was at a time when we were having a lot of issues with a lot of mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the racism that was out yes. there and a lot of the push for uh, the equality, civil rights stuff. Mm-hmm. So I could see how Colonel Parker would try to, uh, Handler, try mm-hmm. to say, no, don't do this mm-hmm. because it's going to be bad for your career. Yeah. But it's admirable that he stuck to his guns and said, yes. no, I'm going to do it. Yes. Do you have a favorite Elvis song? I do. Kentucky Rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like one of his more popular songs, <laughs> but it, it's my favorite. Um, it, it has like drama to the song and it tells a story. And I, I love songs that tell stories. So like the, the, the plot, I guess, of that song, this, you know, the, this, this man, his wife leaves him. And so he's out looking for her. And so he's describing his journey and it's raining on him and the weather's bad and people are giving him rides. He's asking people at stores if they've seen his woman. And it's just, you know, about this, this man who's searching for, for his love. Well, I did want to also note that uh, with tomorrow being Martin Luther King uh, birthday, you know, that I think it's very poignant about the song. It was 1968, uh, you know, when uh, uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. That's right. And uh, in the ghetto was right about that same time. Mm -hmm. And there again, Elvis was really making a stand that a lot of that was why Colonel Parker was afraid that he was going Mm -hmm. to lose a lot of his uh, followers. uh, followers. Yes. Yes. Yes, and Elvis very much admired Martin Luther King Jr. And he was, you know, as most of the country was just shocked and and very devastated by it. And then, you know, like, what was it? Like, less than two months later, Bobby Kennedy was Mm -hmm. was assassinated. And 
all of that was happening around the time that he was putting together what was what's now known as the 68 comeback special Mm -hmm. he was filming it in june but it aired on tv in december and originally it was supposed to be a christmas show but elvis just felt like there's too much strife going on right now we have to do something and so he, that's where the song, If I Can Dream, came from. Mm-hmm. And even that, there was some pushback from Colonel Parker. He didn't want that to be like the final song. He wanted it to be a Christmas song. And actually, you see that played out in the Elvis movie with Austin mm-hmm. Butler. Um, but it's, you know, based on, on fact. But so, even that yes. song right there, you know, when you really sit down and you listen to it, I mean, you know, you, you talk about inclusion for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, it's, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, favorite Elvis movie? Uh, King Creole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that one was filmed uh, in New Orleans. And I've actually, like my, my Michael, my, my now husband, we were still dating at the time. Um, we took a trip to New Orleans. And I, I dragged him with me to all the spots where Elvis filmed that movie. <laughs> and we took pictures and everything. Um, so that movie was filmed in 1958. And it's, um, it was Elvis's fourth movie. It was the last movie he made before he went into the army. He was actually able to get like an extension on his um, day to report mm-hmm. to duty because he was filming that movie. Um, so it, it has a really good cast. It has um, Walter Matthau, Carolyn Jones. She, I think she was the mother on um, The Addams Family, The Munsters, Carolyn Jones can't remember her name she was i think morticia oh gosh anyway whoever she is carolyn somebody thank you um and then dolores hart she's um she was also an actress and she actually went on to become a nun so anyway i really like the cast of the movie it's a dramatic story um Elvis plays a young man named danny fisher he's denied his um high school diploma and so he's kind of like a rebel in the movie. He's trying to figure out what to do with his life. His father is unemployed, so he's trying to help his father make ends meet. And he kind of gets involved with the wrong people. And so Elvis doesn't really do too much singing. I mean, he does sing some in the movie, but it's more of a dramatic plot um, with a little bit of violence. Um, but I think it's Elvis's most dramatic role. Mm-hmm. I thought about you the other day uh, because um, I was setting up a smart TV mm-hmm. and um, I was looking at all the options that I had and I went to Pluto TV uh-huh. and on there there were like um, movies of Elvis. It's like constantly playing. It's like they had, oh, nice. uh, I think it was like uh, Viva Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then the, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's the one where he's in Mexico and he, they're the cliff divers and all that. Fun in Acapulco? Maybe that one uh-huh. right there. And so there was like five Elvis movies that were playing nice. back to back. And I thought, I wonder if Priscilla knows <laughs> that she can watch all these No, I didn't know that. Oh, that's Yeah, nice. go, to, go to Pluto TV and yes, look, 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 look at that. I noticed um, HBO Max has several Elvis movies right now too. Uh-huh. And, um, I recorded a bunch from TCM that were on recently. I think a lot of movies come out in January for for his birthday mm-hmm, celebration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, the August, that's when he, he passed. Is that correct? Yes. Was mm-hmm. it August 16th? or mm-hmm. August 16th, 1977. Yeah. So you, you were you born yet? You must have been little. Oh, no, I wasn't born, born yet. yet. No. Oh, so what uh, year were you born in? 83. 83. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's kind of ironic that you're so young and you have such a love for Elvis. <laughs> yes. Are we ready for, ready for a safe break? Yeah, let's break? take a break. And it was Morticia Adams, you were correct. Yeah, it was Morticia so, Adams. There you go. Thank I, you. <laughs> I just I wasn't going to make a quote on that one. So. <laughs> KTSM.org, True Community Radio, and uh, we're going to be right back with you after this quick station ID break. Thank you for tuning in.
Hey, Sid, what are you listening to? I'm listening to Sid's Place, my show. The best oldies in the world. I'm on every Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. on KZSM, your true community radio station here in San Marcos, Texas. Hi, this is Steve Chelmsford reminding everyone to catch my show, The Mop Tops and the King. Featuring an hour of the greatest two artists in the history of rock and roll, Elvis and the Beatles. Every Monday evening at 9 p.m. right here on KZSM, San Marcos Community Radio. Tune in to Texas River Tonk every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. We play music from our favorite country artists and let you know how to catch them live. We'll also have musicians in studio talking about their work and playing on air. So come join the party with Texas River Tonk, Fridays, noon to 2, on kzsm.org, True Community Radio. And hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, at Texas River Tonk. That's at TX River Tonk. Just some of the great shows you can hear every day of the week here on kcsm.org. And uh, coming up tomorrow night, yes, you can. I don't know whether Priscilla's on this episode or not this week. I don't remember. But uh, you can hear Steve Chelmsford, Mop Tops and the Kings, tomorrow night at uh, 9 o'clock. And then uh, a guy with a voice real similar to this is going to be in here playing vinyl records uh, right after that, 10 o'clock till midnight tomorrow night. So, uh, hey. Stay tuned. There's lots of great stuff. But for right now, let's take it back to Kathy and Priscilla. So you've been to Graceland. So tell me what that experience was like for you. Oh, yes. Um, Graceland is my happiest place on earth. (laughs) It's like my Disney World. Um, Oh, so yes. I mean, it's changed so much over the years. But the, the, you know, the core of it has remained the same. Graceland, the mansion, has remained the same. Um, They've They've set it up to look how it was when Elvis was still alive. Um, it's the second most visited place, visited house um, in the U.S., second to the White House, as far as houses go. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Elvis's cars on display. They have his costumes, um, his awards. And in, in recent years, they have really revamped the place. Um, and it's been kind of neat to see its, its progression. The first time I went there was in the 90s with my family. And it was, you know, mind-blowing. I was in tears, you know, seeing this this place I'd always wanted to visit. And I've, I've gone back countless times since then, like maybe 12 or 13 times um, total. And they've, they've created... Um, new buildings they have like a sound studio they have concerts out there they have this beautiful resort um, and hotel where you can stay they host um, special events there now and they always have big celebrations in january for elvis's birthday and in august for his anniversary so um you know if you ever have the chance i highly encourage people to go even just once to check it out it's certainly a sight to see even if you're not an elvis fan just getting to see um, you know, the, the cars are really fascinating. Um, you can kind of see glimpses of, like, American history within everything that Graceland has to offer. Well, because he's an icon, you know. Yes. He, he em- embodies that. Here here we are, how many ever years later after his passing, mm-hmm. we're still talking about him. Books are still been, being written mm-hmm. about him. Movies are still being made. Yep. Um, but I remember when he passed because I, I, I was a fan all the things that would come out in in the magazines like uh, you know the tabloids uh, national Enquirer, 
and all the things that were said about autopsies and you know this and that and mm-hmm. things that you know you really wouldn't think you would read but those those magazines were made for that mm-hmm. and now that we have um his daughter's passing lisa marie's passing mm-hmm. and i've seen some of the things how does that make you feel that you know there are some things that are being written that are taken out of context or it, it it's kind of sad how do you feel about that yes i feel like it, it affects me almost like Lisa was my relative. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's so personal, so private. Um, you know, the Presley family has been very much, um, you know, well-known in the spotlight, maybe not as, as much in the spotlight as other celebrity families, but very well-known for generations. And um, it's it's sad to see all of these stories coming out. Um, some of them are just, you know, unnecessary information to be shared, you know, um, and other things. I just think that the family needs to grieve privately. I think there's a time and a place, um, and a reason to share or not to share. And, um, I mean, Lisa Marie just passed away like what, four days ago. I think it's, it's really indicative of this time that we're living in right now also with like clickbait and these stories on social media, this immediate access to information or, or misinformation, as it may be, that just gets out there so easily and can be shared, and it spreads like wildfire. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really a fan of, of tabloids. Um, I, I used to like to read them when I was younger to get all the juicy gossip, but now anytime I see something like that, I just take it with a grain of salt or I just won't even click on it because I don't care it's 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 a waste of time and a lot of times you really don't get anything from it it's Mm -hmm. just for you to get on and to read and then you're just like oh but yeah it's an unfortunate thing and you know of course you have um and i remember you know this one day and then the next day they've got this um clip of her at the golden globes and they're talking about oh look at this you know you know you know what was she on and you know things like that Mm -hmm. so it makes it a little bit sad Mm -hmm. um but you know now that we're talking about the tabloids i want to talk about prince harry because we don't have that much that much time left um the um prince harry thing you you got the book right yes have you had a chance to read it yet i am reading it right now mm-hmm. i'm about two-thirds of the way through i haven't finished it yet but it's it's really interesting um i think it gives us a very well-rounded view of who prince harry is what his upbringing was like what his life inside this royal bubble was like um it's sad and i think for me it's sad because i've been like one of those royal watchers since i was a little girl i've always been a fan of the royals and i adored princess diana when i was little um and you know had a crush on on william i had his picture in my locker when i was a teenager (laughs) (laughs) um and so i've i've been following them for most of my life and so reading the book and getting harry's firsthand account of his mother's passing, how he found out about it, the the proceedings up to her funeral, and then his he was in denial for like over 10 years. He didn't believe that she had passed away. He believed that she had just disappeared, that she was off somewhere making a life for herself, hidden away from the paparazzi, hidden away from the, you know, from the world, from the cameras, and that eventually she would send for William and mm-hmm. Harry. And of course that that never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 10 years after her passing, he went to Paris and drove several times through that tunnel where Diana um, passed away. And he asked 
for pictures from that night and saw pictures of her. Um, his personal secretary hid some of the pictures, some of the more gruesome pictures, and he's grateful for that. But he, from from driving through that tunnel and seeing those photographs, he finally came to terms, my mother's gone. So I've been reading that book with a box of tissues nearby because it, it just makes me tear up quite a bit, especially, um, you know, his, his memories of his mother and his struggle with grief. Um, he also didn't cry for several years. He cried at her funeral when at the burial, actually. Um, but since that, he just wouldn't cry, wouldn't cry. He tried to, but it was it was very, very a very traumatic experience for him. I think too, for a lot of people, we um, we only see sometimes the the picture that's painted for us, and we see this uh, glamorous, uh, glorious lifestyle where you have you know the the designer clothing mm-hmm. and the best schools, and you drive the best cars, mm-hmm. but you don't see the puppeteering that goes behind. You know, you've got these handlers, you've got these this institution mm-hmm. that kind of is like a business. You know, you've got your CEO up here, and then you've got all these people that are telling you you've got this. Um, you know, marketing people, and then you've got these people that say, no, you can't do this, you have to wear that. Mm-hmm. You're you're a brand, you know, you you really are a brand, yes. and you can't get into trouble, but I think that's why everybody likes Prince uh, William, because I mean, Prince Harry, because uh-huh. he was the one that was out there doing all the things that yes. people didn't think that he should be doing. Right. And so it must mm-hmm. have been really hard, I think, to, to be his handler. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, when you're, I think when you're young, they have that sense of, you know, well, you're young, you can get away with a lot mm-hmm. of these things. But now that he's a lot older, and I remember um, when there was that whole Megxit thing going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of us now that we're on social media, whatever media site you're on, well, you know, uh, I, I started to notice that if you were to, to click on something and you were to read it, then you'd start getting all these things, you inundated with all these things. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a lot of the things that I was getting hit with were a lot of negative stories, negative stories about Prince Harry, negative yes. stories about uh, Meghan. And so mm-hmm. I would say like about 95% of the stories were just bad, uh, negative, yes. negative. And then mm-hmm. you started seeing, and then I started wondering, I started seeing a lot of these um, pundits uh, you'd started to see like uh, Megan Kelly and all these other people mm-hmm. trashing the royals, and I'm thinking, but we live here in the United States. Why are we trashing? Yeah. Them? <laughs> but then, then you see, okay, well, you know, oh, they were implied employed by this person. This person comes from you know a, a place where they're under the British flag, mm-hmm. and so I, I think a lot of things at that point just started to make sense. So. I would assume that there's probably this thing where we know there's this rift and we kind of have to protect our own institution. Mm-hmm. And do you ever do you think that there's ever going to be a healing between Harry and his family? I hope so. I, you know, I've I've been thinking about that with this documentary that just came out between Harry and Meghan on Netflix and this book, um, the Oprah interview from a couple of years back. Um, I, I feel like I understand their their point of view, where they want to get their story out, they want their truth to be told, to be known. But I also feel like I wonder if the things that they're sharing, particularly Harry in the book, there's a lot of things about William and Camilla and and Charles that I think like, oh, are they? Do they know that this is out there now? <laughs> I don't know if they've read the book yet, but um, I just kind of feel some of the things that he's sharing might. Cause more Further, damage, yeah. yes, might cause more more harm than good. Mm-hmm. But I really hope that someday they are able to reconcile. Um, I I think Harry is certainly open to it. I think he's just kind of 
biding his time, waiting to see. Um, I, I really hope it happens. Um, do you watch any of the other royals, uh, or are you just primarily um, uh, the the British, or do do you see what do you pay attention to what's going on with the Spanish royals, or the royals over in Europe? Uh, you know the the those up there towards uh, Denmark and. Mm-hmm. That area, um, a little bit, you know, I get the People Magazine Royal Newsletter <laughs> <laughs> and like 95% of it will be n- stories about um, the British royal family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I don't know how accurate those stories are. Um, I think there is, you know, some some truth to some mm-hmm. of those stories. But within that newsletter, they'll have other stories about the other royals. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read them occasionally. But no, I'm pretty much mostly, um, you know, the, the House of Windsor. Mm-hmm. That's the royal family that I watch. You know, and they're all they're all married. And um, I, I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, uh, King Carlos there in, in, in Spain got into a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there, there was an issue with uh, one of the daughter's husbands, and of course they got brought on embezzlement charges. And then there was some stuff that he did that really wasn't all that great. Mm-hmm. He was forced to abdicate, and you know we all know that the English and the Spanish kind of they're, they're related, but they kind of butt heads like this. And when he abdicated, he said, "Well, I'm abdicating, and I'm going to leave because I don't want my son to be over there like poor uh, Prince Charles withering away oh, and, <laughs> and not being able to make any decisions." <laughs> And I thought, oh, God, man. that's just such a just a terrible jab. But he mm-hmm. said it. But yeah, I I think um, I think a lot of people we we just kind of make our our own. We can make our own comments, mm-hmm. but we really don't understand how this whole thing works. And I remember yes. thinking, uh, you know, as I watched these houses grow, and when you're the uh, the the heir apparent, right? The heir and spare, mm-hmm. the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. And you're not married, and you've got all your brothers and sisters, and you sit in the front row. And then as you get married, then your children occupy mm-hmm. that front row, mm-hmm. and everybody that used to be in the front row ends up in the second row. Yes. And so I think we don't understand the dynamics of that. We don't understand the difference in being in being royal and then being a working royal. And I think I, I laugh yeah. because you hear these people say, "Oh, well, you know, well, you 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 uh, don't make him a royal anymore." It's like, well, how do you make somebody who's royal unroyal? Right. You know, because you'll yes. always have that, mm-hmm. um, but he just won't be a working royal. And so they get their money from the purse that's given to the royal household, and then they divvy mm-hmm. out all the mm-hmm. money. And so I'm thinking to myself, if I'm sitting on that second tier, my money, I won't. I, I mean, I have to do this, and that's going to be gone eventually. Mm-hmm. But what do I do to to sustain the the type of lifestyle that I had? So right. I can kind of see yeah. maybe why they want to be not working royals. Yes, I mean, I I definitely understand why they might, you know feel better off living over here in America. Um, They're away from the, it was really grueling work that they were having to do as working royals. I think we get to see the glossy photos and, you know, get to see that the glamour of it, but there's a lot of behind the scenes um, challenges that they were facing. And it just, you know, that combined with the, with the, you know, rift between the brothers, um, even the, you know, when, when Charles married Camilla, you know, the, the, the brothers both told Charles, please don't do this. Please mm-hmm. don't marry her. Um, you know, they're also a family at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, we we can watch and, and judge and, you know, read all the, all the, you know, the books and the gossip columns and, you know, find whatever that information's out there, whether or not it's accurate. But yes, they're working royals. Yes, they're royalty, but they're also a family. Yeah, they have feelings, you know, just mm-hmm. like everybody yes. else or just like me and you, you know, brothers and sisters, they have falling outs. And we get back together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what we all hope for, 
for uh, Harry and for William. Yes. We watch them grow up, and it's just so Mm -hmm. sad to see the things that are happening. But I think we're almost out of time. We are out of time. And uh, so we want to thank you for uh, coming to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And we're going to be back again next week with uh, who's going to be on next week, Kathy? Uh, We're going to have Gloria Delgadillo and Dr. Rosina Valle. So tune in next week on Riasis. Thank you for staying tuned with us. And uh, we've got radio theaters coming up for the rest of the night. And please stay tuned all throughout the week. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is KCSM.org, your true community radio, coming at you from San Marcos, Texas.